When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the weekend, so relax and listen to some stories the whole family can enjoy. That's right, it's the Saturday Story Circle, here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. Chapter 4 There was steak for dinner that night, which meant there were a lot of references to killing the fatted calf, which meant there were also a lot of references to the return of the prodigal son, which everyone laughed at, except Abigail. She remembered the story that they were joking about and did not find it very funny. It was a Bible story, and one of the ones that made Abigail shake her head. As she remembered it, the story went more or less like this. A man had two sons. One of them was good and stayed home, and one of them was a total jerk and went away. And then the total jerk came back, and everybody threw a party and made a big fuss about him, and when the good son said, Hey, what about me? The father basically told him to shut up. It was one of the most deeply unsatisfying stories that Abigail could remember from Sunday school. As far as she was concerned, the story was as unfinished as the ending of Cinderella, when no one even bothered to cut off the wicked stepmother's head. There were several things which annoyed Abigail about the references to the prodigal son's story that were flying around her dining room just now. If she had to put them into some kind of order, the list might have looked like this. Number one. She was not entirely sure what prodigal meant, but she was pretty sure it meant big jerk. And not only was Jeremy not taking offense at this, but he was laughing every time it came up, as if he were not actually a big jerk, which he was. Number two. They would not let the joke die, even though it had not been very funny in the first place. Every few minutes, her father or mother would ask if Jeremy was enjoying his fatted calf, and they would all laugh as if they had not just called Jeremy a big jerk, which they had, and he was. Number three. No one had asked her if she was enjoying her fatted calf, because if they had, she would have been able to tell them that it was overcooked. Jeremy liked the outside of his steak charred, and so Mr. Brannigan had turned the barbecue way up when he was cooking, even though Abigail did not like it that way, and also she was pretty sure that it was bad for you. Number four. If Jeremy was the prodigal son, and Mr. and Mrs. Brannigan were sharing the role of the father, that meant that the only part for Abigail in this story was the good son. This bothered her for two reasons. She did not actually know anything about the good son, other than the fact that he was told to shut up for his perfectly reasonable complaints. That was annoying. Also, Abigail thought any story in which she had to take the role of a boy in order to get a decent part was badly written, 
and did not deserve this much attention at dinner. All of these things were on Abigail's mind as she dissected her steak in order to remove all of the blackened parts, and she tried to pretend that it was really just a story that bothered her. But she had to admit that it was only one item on a long list. Jeremy was talking and talking, and every story seemed to be about himself and how great he was and how amazing all of the things he was doing were, even though as far as Abigail could see, it was astonishing that he even managed to dress himself. And he didn't even do that very well. He talked and he talked and he ate and he ate, which meant that he was doing both at the same time, and nobody told him not to talk with his mouthful, not even once. Abigail was not really listening to his list of achievements, but she was pretty sure that in a few years, when she was doing the same things, nobody would care, because Jeremy had done them a long time ago. There was also the matter of Abigail's mother, and Abigail had to admit that this was bothering her a lot. Oh, her father may have burned the fatted calf to please the prodigal brother, but he had also told Jeremy that his seldom-used garage weight room was a thing of the past, and that he was not to mess up Abigail's office again. Abigail had not actually heard him say any of these things, but she knew that they had happened by the way that Jeremy had avoided the garage, and the way that both of them had pretended that the entire episode had never happened. She would never get an apology of any kind— but Abigail did not need apologies and had no use for them. She needed her office to be a big jerk-free zone and felt confident that her father had intervened to make that happen. Abigail's mother knew none of this. She had been at work at the time, and the unspoken truce that had developed within the Brannigan household prevented anyone from bringing her up to speed. This was not the problem. The problem, as far as Abigail was concerned was that her mother was sitting at the table, hanging on Jeremy's every word and making doll eyes at him. There was an expression on her face of perfect contentment, as if she were gazing upon a little slice of heaven that did not know how to chew with his mouth closed. Abigail's mother was a successful woman with a demanding job and all sorts of other no-nonsense things. And while Abigail had very little interest in any of that, she respected it. It pained her to see her mother's adoring, blissful expression, as if she were picturing this lout as a little baby, mushing sweet potatoes with his fingers, which Abigail would not actually put past him at all. Abigail wondered what she would have to do to get a look like that. And when the day came when she finally did it, if anyone would notice, because Jeremy had done whatever it was first. There was a brief lull in the conversation, which got Abigail's attention. She realized that she had been casting a dark stare in her brother's direction this entire time, and it had finally got enough of his attention that he had stopped talking about himself. A smirk played about his face, and Abigail could tell that the time of peace had ended. So, I hear Abby is a detective now, he said, stuffing another forkful of overkicked meat into his face. Abigail, Abigail corrected. She had not allowed anyone to call her Abby in quite some time, but Jeremy did not think this rule applied to him. 
Uh, who wants another jacket potato? <laughs> Abigail's father said, sounding desperate to cut the conversation short without actually telling Jeremy that he was being a big jerk, which he was. Who's the boy she had helping her? Jeremy said, with his mouth full, still managing to smirk. I don't know him. Boy? Mrs. Brannigan blinked, emerging from her cloud of adoration. Abigail's ears grew hot. He isn't a boy, she snapped. He's Timothy. Jeremy nodded, as if he was certain that he had scored a point, which he had not. Hmm? Looks like he's both at the same time, he said, clearly pleased with himself. Mrs. Brannigan looked at her husband, her blissful expression fading. Mr. Brannigan did not raise his hands above the level of the table, but pointed both his fingers toward the ceiling in a gesture that suggested he would very much like to slow down or stop this conversation. Well, it turns out that Abigail's consultant is a boy, he said. He is not, Abigail said, stopping the conversation dead with the force of her conviction and the fact that it made no sense at all. I mean, he isn't a consultant, she said, recovering. I promoted him to associate this morning. Henry? Abigail's mother said with a forced air of calm. I talked to him, Mr. Brannigan said. He seems like a, a very nice boy. Abigail felt that she had completely lost control over this conversation, and it was making her furious. Yes, he's a very nice boy, isn't he, Abby? Jeremy said in a sultry, kissy-faced kind of voice that made Abigail see red. My name is Abigail Jerbear, Abigail said, a cruel smile playing about her lips as she remembered how much her brother had learned to despise his little boy nickname over the years. Don't call me that, Jeremy shouted, his face growing hot and red in an instant. Then don't call me Abby, Abigail shouted right back, slapping her hand on the table to reinforce her point. Hey! her mother said in surprise, sounding very cross and looking entirely at Abigail when she said it. That was fine. If that was the way it was going to play out, Abigail could deal with that too. Abby is your name, Jeremy said forcefully, sensing that he held the momentum of parental support. My name is not Jerbear. Abigail stood up and walked over to the china hutch in the corner of the dining room. Abigail, what are you doing? her mother said, in something just above a stage whisper, sit down. Abigail opened the top drawer of the china hutch, where all of the important papers were kept. She knew exactly what she was looking for. It was the trump card she had never needed to play, but she had been ready for it from the day she announced that she was no longer to be called by her childhood nickname. Abigail, you have not been excused, her mother said, still in the stage whisper, as if there were someone watching who had not yet noticed what was going on. Abigail pulled out the paper in question and stomped over to Jeremy's place setting, slapping it down on the table. It was a copy of her birth certificate. Abigail Rosemary Brannigan, she said, as if the point were no longer open for debate. That's my name. Okay, Abigail Rosemary, Jeremy said, turning the middle name into a taunt. Whatever you say, Abigail Rosemary. Abigail smirked. Thanks, Jeremy Morton, she said. The big jerk had walked right into this one. Jeremy scowled. He hated his middle name with a fiery passion, which was now aflame. Mom, 
he sputtered in protest. That's enough! Mr. Brannigan shouted over both of them, and Abigail and her brother froze. There was only one thing that could make her father raise his voice like that. They heard a small sound and realized that it was true. Their mother was crying. She sat with her face pointing at her plate, her fingers wrapped around the bridge of her nose, and her eyes staring straight ahead as if they could see right through the table. Her eyes were full of tears, but she was willing herself not to lose control and cry in earnest. Small, sad sounds were escaping with each breath, though, and Abigail and her brother both suddenly felt very small. I just wanted us to have a nice family dinner, she said at last. I just, I just wanted us to be all together again. Sorry, Mom, Jeremy said, just before Abigail could say it. So she said nothing, since no one would notice that she had said it after Jeremy said it first. She picked up her birth certificate and took it back to the drawer where it lived. Nobody ever gets sentimental for the way things really were, she observed, not incorrectly. Miss Abigail, her father said in a tone of quiet warning. Abigail closed the drawer and came back to the table. Her mother was recovering herself. "'You've just been away so long this time,' she said, wiping her eyes. "'I know, Mom,' Jeremy said. "'I'm sorry, Mom. "'I just hate it that you feel like a guest here,' Mrs. Brannigan said. "'This is your house, too.' "'Jeremy looked across the table to Abigail, "'wondering if he should mention the former weight room in the garage "'and deciding against it. Jeremy had no power to resist a crying mother. I know, Mom, he said. I, I even straightened your room so you'd be more comfortable, she said, smiling through her tears. Yeah, Jeremy said, shifting in his seat. I thought it looked different in there. Mrs. Brannigan laughed a little, but the tears were rolling down her cheeks now, and Jeremy was helpless. There was a cereal bowl from under the bed. "'From a set I got rid of three years ago,' she said. "'We're having it bronzed,' Abigail said, and everyone ignored her. "'I just—I want you to be part of the family,' Mrs. Brannigan said, "'reaching out across the table for Jeremy's hand, which he gave her. "'Promise me you'll come home more often,' she said softly. "'Jeremy was putty in her hands. "'Abigail almost felt sorry for the big jerk.' I promise, Jeremy said, sealing his fate. Their mother smiled and gazed lovingly at Jeremy as if he had just done something extremely clever. Abigail looked at her plate and said nothing. Who wants ice cream? their father asked. This is Jack Ward from the Mutual Audio Network and from all of us here, the entire United Artists of Audio, I want to thank everyone who has supported us. Listeners and producers, writers and actors, 
musicians and graphic artists who make audio drama and audio fiction. You inspire us all. And thanks for making a home here on Mutual, where we listen and imagine together.